Welcome to The Dark Parts, a show where we explore the darkest parts of history, the world, and your mind. I'm your host, Heath, and with me today is the lovely queen of Scream, Daphne. How you doing, Daphne? Greetings and salutations. I'm doing fantastic. I'm really excited about this episode today. How are you, Heath? Oh, I'm doing amazing. Yeah, and I can't wait to scare the shit out of all of you. Welcome to episode two of The Dark Parts. Again, if you don't know us, we have a true crime podcast called Going West, and we've had that for about almost two years now, and we just really wanted to do a horror podcast because we're huge horror fans. Yeah, this is kind of our little fun spinoff project, but we really hope that you guys enjoy the show. The theme of this episode, I think, is something that everybody is afraid of because every single time I get in my car at night, I always have to check. Oh, yeah, definitely. Just a quick, we're sorry to anybody who's driving at night alone right now. So let's kick it off. I'm sure we've all heard some sort of scary urban legend or campfire story in our lifetime. Growing up, I used to scare the absolute shit out of my little sister, but also my older cousins would scare the absolute shit out of me. Today we're going to focus on a story that's made its rounds in the U.S. and I'm sure a lot of other countries as well. The story that made us take a look in our back seats at night before driving home alone in the dark. That's right, we're talking about the killer in the back seat. And I gotta say, this is one that really terrifies me. And probably a lot of other folks. The worst thing is when you have like a trunk. Like I have a Jeep, so I've got the back seats and then I have the trunk that I can't see. It's not like I have a sedan where I just have the luxury of being able to turn around and know there's no one there. But for all I know, there's always someone in my trunk who's just ready to jump out. <laughs> and I just, I always think of that when I'm driving alone at night. I always think about it. It's a fear I have. That is a horrifying thing. I always think about it when I get out of like the movie theater after going to see like a scary movie. I'm always like, oh, fuck, I better check the back seat. Totally. Well, lucky for you, you have a Jeep Wrangler. And so you don't have you have a back seat, and it's right there. So you are very low risk. Yeah, there's kind of no hiding in my car, really. I mean, because like the top of my Jeep is a soft top. So even if I have the top on, there's still just the back seat, and there's not really like a trunk. So yeah, pretty low risk, I'd say. All you have to do is turn around. Oh, no one there. To me, I have to turn around and look into the depths of my vehicle and then probably crawl back there and make sure. Yeah, I mean, what would be better is before you even get into the driver's seat is maybe just go around the back and just fucking lift open the uh, the tailgate, you know? That's actually a really good idea because if there was someone back there, then you're already outside of the car. And then you can both run away. You know, I have done it before where I'll look into my windows at night, you know, in the back. But I'm always scared of that because it's dark in my car. It's dark outside. So what if I put my face against the window and then I'm just met and with another face? Yeah, right. There's just like another face staring back at you. God, so scary. Especially when you're listening to a creepy podcast, which happened to me months ago. And I was listening to like this haunted podcast at night. And I just kept looking behind me while I was driving on the freeway. It makes sense to me, honestly. So this, this is a really, really scary tale. So why don't you go ahead and start it off? So before we can go into the scary details of this story, we need to first take a look at the origin of this urban legend. The story of Killer in the Backseat first started to circulate in the 1960s. Apparently, in 1964, 
A man who was believed to be an escaped murderous convict in New York City hid in the back seat of a car, waiting for a moment to rob and kill the driver. Unfortunately for the convict, the owner of the vehicle he was hiding in happened to belong to a police officer. Yeah, and I think that police officer was maybe like a detective, so it's, it wasn't like a marked police car. It was just, you know, like maybe it was his off-duty car. Right, got it. So when the officer noticed the man, he shot him dead, you know, which is all of our reactions, I'm sure, if you have a weapon. Yeah, if you got a gun, <laughs> you know what's coming next. So some believe that this real-life story may have occurred during the daytime unlike the fictional story that circulated years later. So much less scary in the day, but terrifying nonetheless. The real urban legend goes something like this. A woman's driving alone on a deserted highway in the dark one night when she realizes that her car is almost out of gas. She begins to worry that she will end up stranded on the side of the road, but in the distance, she sees lights. When she gets closer, out of pure luck, she realizes that the lights just happen to be a fuel station, so she pulls in. A man typically looking somewhat disheveled and scary approaches the woman's car. He begins to fill her car with gas before giving her signals with his face, which seem pretty alarming to the woman. The woman seems frightened by the man who continues to give her strange looks. The gas station attendant then asks the woman to pop her hood because her car smells kind of funny, and he says that he needs to take a look. A bit uneasy about the situation, she agrees to let the man look at her engine, because of course, if there really is something wrong, she probably wants him to fix it. So then, the creepy man asks the woman to step out from the vehicle, because he needs to show her something. Thinking that something may actually be wrong, she gets out and joins the man in the front of the car, and that's when the man quickly grabs the woman, and covers her mouth so she can't scream. Alright folks, this is where the story takes a turn. The gas attendant, with one hand over the woman's mouth, leans in and whispers in the woman's ear, Don't scream. When I was filling your gas tank, I noticed a man in the back seat of your car hiding. That is the scariest thing that I could ever imagine. But at the same time, this dude really could have used a different approach. Like, why grab her? Instead, just be like, Hey, so, by the way, you know, like, you're both in front of the hood of the car. The guy can't see you. Why do you have to grab her? Yeah. Way to escalate the situation. I totally get that. And I think it's so so that the killer isn't tipped off that the gas station attendant knows or that the woman knows. I feel like that he's trying to, the gas station attendant is trying to get her away from the situation. So basically, Creepy Gas Man is not actually Creepy Gas Man, but a good Samaritan trying to save this woman's life. And of course, there are different variations of the story. Some believe that the gas attendant tells the woman that her credit card is declined and that she needs to join him inside the station to figure out what went wrong with the transaction. And that's when he tells her that there's a man hiding in the back seat. And I guess this would be to not tip off the killer in the back seat that the attendant knows he's there. And this is actually the exact scenario that takes place in the opening scene of the 1998 horror thriller film conveniently titled Urban Legend. We love that movie so much. It's, it's such a good one. And I didn't know about it until Heath showed it to me like last year. 
and I am ashamed that I didn't see it sooner. To be honest with you, it took me some years to find out about that movie as well. I think I watched it for the first time maybe like five or six years ago, but great cast. I mean, Robert England, if you know who he is from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Freddy Krueger. Yeah, Freddy Krueger. He's He is in that film. He plays the professor. Kind of fun. Also, Jared Leto's in that film, strange enough. Yeah, if you, above anything else, if you're not even into horror, go see Jared Leto in his 1998 young little cute self. Oh my god. Yeah, it's a really, really great movie. And obviously, it's just like the title is depicting. It's it's about urban legends. So it's a really, really fun movie to watch around Halloween. And the opening scene with the killer in the backseat scenario is such a good opener. We actually rewatched it recently. And after that scene, we were both just like, wow, what a way to open the film. Oh my God. Yeah. That's like the most incredible first opening scene to a movie. I feel like aside from the movie Scream, I would say. And I kind of put them in the same category. Like to me, if you love Scream, you'll love Urban Legend, I think. For the movie for Urban Legend, in the film, the girl thinks that the gas attendant is there to kill her. So before he can tell her why he brought her inside, you know, it's not about her credit card, she jumps back into the car and speeds off. And then the gas attendant runs after the car and screams, there's someone in the back seat. But of course, at this point, she's too far down the road and this girl ends up with an axe to the face. And like we said before, this story has so many different variations to it. And actually, the legend is also known as high beams by some. The other take on the story is that a woman's driving on a dark, deserted road and she sees a car behind her trying to pass. The car behind her then drives around the side to pass, but quickly changes their mind and swerves back behind the woman's vehicle. So this car is like about ready to pass, and then it swoops back behind her car. At first, the woman doesn't think anything about it, but then the vehicle behind her starts tailing her very closely. She seems alarmed by this, but just kind of brushes it off until the car following her begins to flash its high beams and rear-end the woman's vehicle. Which, to her, she's probably like, they want me to speed up and go faster. Or she's thinking, this dude's trying to run me off the road. But either way, the woman then speeds up in an attempt to lose the person that's behind her. And at some point in the story, the woman pulls off the side of the road, but the car that was following her does the same thing. She knows that she can't outrun the car that's following her, so she waits with the doors locked to see what this person really wants. A man approaches the vehicle and says, Ma'am, I was following you, because with my headlights pointed directly at your car, I could see a person hiding in your back seat. The woman then hears the click of the back door opening and sees a silhouette running away into the woods. What a plot twist too, because if he's, you know, trying almost like seemingly trying to pass her and is honking and is tailing her, she probably thinks, okay, what does this guy want? You know, but you would never expect that he's trying to warn you about somebody in your backseat potentially trying to kill you. Oh yeah, that's not the first thought that would pop into my head if somebody was, um, you know, trying to chase me down. You know what I do wonder though, is if she was looking behind her, 
seeing this car and she probably kept checking. How come she didn't see the killer? I don't know if maybe... Maybe he, maybe the car, the, the guy in the car behind saw the killer first and then started warning her and the killer didn't pop up again after or, that. Or she was looking in her rear view mirror when this guy was flashing the lights and she just happened to miss the guy popping up from the back seat or something. I don't really know how that works, but... God, just imagine looking in your rearview mirror and just seeing a shadow. Yeah, that's really, really scary. Sorry if you're in the car again. <laughs> so like we mentioned before, this urban legend has literally taken on so many different variations throughout its 60-year span. It's kind of like that game Telephone. You know, a story starts out one way, and before you know it, the details are much different from the original story. Man, I used to love that game. I know. What, it's, it's not funny we played that in school, and that was like a fun thing to hear a different story in the end. Yeah, kind of weird. So somehow, the legend of the killer in the backseat has lasted the test of time and has also given us some silver screen scares while it made its rounds. Of course, we've already mentioned the film Urban Legend, but that's not the only film that this story seemed to inspire. John Carpenter's Halloween is a great example of this. In the 1978 horror classic, there's a scene where teenage character Annie Brackett enters her car to leave her house, and slasher icon Michael Myers is waiting in the back seat of the car. He then strangles Annie to death. In the Twilight Zone episode titled her chance to dream, which The Twilight Zone is awesome. Again, everybody should go watch that. It's on Netflix, the whole series. One of the characters makes a reference, quote, that woman who was killed by a psychopath hiding in the backseat of her car. It's believed that this could have even inspired the origin of the legend because this episode aired in 1959. Yeah, so that was before anybody had really heard about the killer in the backseat urban legend. In 2003, a film from India called Whistle starts out with the legend, and in 1981, famed short horror story author Alvin Schwartz featured the urban legend in his book, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and if you didn't read this as a kid, oh my gosh, it was just the best. It was so fun to read. I don't think I did. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe you should check it out now, though. I mean, I'm, it's never too late. I'm super down. So anyways, The Killer in the Backseat definitely made its way into the mainstream spotlight on multiple occasions. But of course, the best versions of this story are actually told during camping trips or sleepovers or even in the halls of middle schools and high schools around the world. The two biggest countries who produced the origin are said to have been the United States and England. Many believe the first recognizable notation of the legend was marked by famed folklorist Carlos Drake in 1968 when he collected some texts written by students at Indiana University. What a cool career, a folklorist. Oh my god, yeah, that sounds fucking awesome. I don't think I've ever like realized that that's a thing that you can be. It does sound like a really cool profession. But some actually don't believe that Drake was the first person to cite this legend, though. Some actually believe that a woman named Joanne Stevens Parachetti was the first to cite the story. In 1965, she published a transcript of a tape-recorded version that was told by a University of Purdue student. She titled the story, Woman Trailed by Mysterious Car. And although she isn't really acknowledged for being the creator of the legend, Here's the version, and Daphne's going to read that for you guys. I heard this when I was in high school. I think about a junior. 
One night, the girls I ran with were sitting around telling stories of things we had heard about. This one girl said, There are two ladies who had gone to a meeting in Indianapolis, I guess to some woman's club. Anyway, the meeting got out real late at night, and these ladies, of course, got into the car. They were driving home by themselves. As they were driving along the highway, this one lady, you know how you look in the rearview mirror, noticed that this truck was following her. She didn't think too much about it at first because it was just normal. She would slow down and the truck would slow down or she would speed up and the truck would stay right behind her. She was getting real scared. So the two ladies locked all the doors and she turned onto a side road, but this truck was still following her. So she just hurried home as fast as she could. This one lady got her husband and said that this truck had followed her all the way home. So he came outside to see what it was all about. He went up to the man in the truck and said, what are you doing following my wife home? And he said, I just wanted to tell your wife that there was a man in the back seat of the car. The husband was really shook up. So they went to the back of the car and opened it. Sure enough, there was a man back there. The truck driver saw this man because when he would turn on his lights, he would see this man come up from the back seat, starting to reach forward, and then he ducked down again. But they did call the police and took him to jail. So it looks like Joanne may have beat you, Carlos. Not gonna lie. It seems like she came out with this story probably about four years before he found those texts at Indiana University. Right, and what what a scary story. Especially since it's a true story, like, I mean, imagine you just get home and then this truck driver is like, oh, well, there's a dude in your back seat, and then you open it and there's a dude in your back seat, and then he just goes running for the hills. I also think, how cool would it have been to be sitting at Purdue University in 1965, listening to this kid tell this story, and then you recorded it, and then, like, basically wrote out the transcript of it, and it's forever there on pages, like, written. I, th- I just think that's so cool. Like, the origin of a scary story told by some university student back in the 60s. Oh, totally. And as far as the origins go, I mean, this isn't that unique of a situation. The back seat seems like a pretty obvious place to hide if you're trying to attack someone who's driving a car, you know? But it's still crazy to hear all these stories and, and the origins and where things came from regarding this type of legend because it's not even really a legend because it's so real like that can happen to anyone oh yeah definitely and we are actually going to get into some of those true stories here in a little bit Author Jan Harold Brunvind, who wrote the Encyclopedia of Urban Legends Volume 1, also a badass profession. Yeah, that must have been really fun and interesting to research and collect all of those urban legends for a book. Oh my god, yeah. That sounds like something you would do, Daphne. Honestly, side note, you should tell them about the, the Dracula's castle thing. So my, my aunt actually wrote Frankenstein, my great-great-great-great-great-aunt. And so I've always been really interested in universal horror monsters. Of course, it be- Frankenstein was not originally a universal horror monster, but 
we all love the movie Frankenstein and we love Dracula and all those and Creature from the Black Lagoon, etc. So Bram Stoker's grandson, I think, Bram Stoker, the guy who wrote Dracula, his grandson or great grandson was having this competition a few Halloweens ago. I think it was in 2016 or 2017. And you were supposed to write a story about your night in Dracula's castle. Like what would happen? It, it was actually like a short story. It could only be like one big paragraph pretty much, which made it way harder to write. Don't tell me that this was a romantic short story. No, <laughs> it, was, it was supposed to be a scary story and a really good story about what your night in Dracula's castle would be like. And the prize was to stay the night in Dracula's castle in Romania on Halloween night and to relate to Bram Stoker's grandson or great-grandson, whatever he was. Within my story, I somehow kind of put in that I was the descendant of Mary Shelley Wollstonecraft and I didn't win. I guess your story sucked ass then. I worked so hard on it because I was like, and I told my dad because I didn't know who else to take and I knew my dad would really appreciate that. So I was like, dad, we're going Halloween night. And he was like, hell yeah. And I didn't win. No, I'm sure. I'm sure your story kicked a whole bunch of ass. Like she's, Daphne's actually an amazing writer. Actually, Heath is a really good writer. And side note, he's working on a horror novel right now and it's amazing. Anyways, we just took the biggest um, detour that had nothing to do with urban legends. Sorry, back yeah, to the story. Yeah, sorry about that. Anyway, back to the killer in the back seat. So author Jan Harold Brunvind, who wrote the Encyclopedia of Urban Legends Volume 1, explains that the killer in the backseat legend really took off in the 1980s when writer Ann Landers featured the story in her advice column. In 1982, a person living in California wrote Anne a letter saying, I tell everyone this story, but I hope by telling you that others will get the message. Always look in your back seat. Then the writer goes on to explain the terrifying real event that happened to a friend of theirs. And this particular story even made such a big impact around the world that it ended up in various crime prevention brochures. That's wild. Right? But that's again, super wild. It's so plausible to happen in real life. So that's a good, good thing to add. Yeah, definitely. To some people, this urban legend seemed to be a cautionary tale of protection. But to others, the tales looked down upon as being sexist and actually quite racist. And many versions, our heroic Good Samaritan of the story ends up being black, which, according to Jan Brunvind, shows white middle-class fear of minorities as the driver is typically a white female who is automatically fearful of her rescuer's appearance. The rescuer is usually seen as the attacker and not the protector. A.K.A. the gas station attendant? Yes. Of course, that really isn't the case for all versions of the story, and in fact, the gas station attendant in the film Urban Legend is actually played by horror actor Brad Dourif, who is a white man and a very scary white man at that. Yeah, he has this kind of long, creepy hair in in the movie, and he also has a stutter, and so I think that kind of puts her off a lot, and he's kind of like hunching over, and he does a really good job at playing that scary guy. So some feel that the story is sexist because the victim is almost always a female, and in almost every version, she's unable to recognize the danger she's in and needs a male to tell her the situation and to protect her from danger. But if we look back to most slasher films, we see that typically the surviving person of the antagonist killing spree is typically a female character. 
hence the name Final Girl, which, sorry for all the movie references, but if you haven't seen The Final Girls, you should see it. Yeah, honestly, that's a really, really good film. It came out in 2015, but it's actually a really fun movie, and it's starring Tessa Farmiga, and it's on Hulu and Showtime. Yeah, it's got a nice, like, 80s slasher vibe to it. Um, It's just a lot of fun. And that just goes to show you that the whole final girl narrative is very much prevalent in a lot of horror movies. In The Killer in the Backseat Legend, more often than not, The killer is usually apprehended, which kind of begs the term assailant rather than killer, but there are definitely versions where the killer succeeds in subduing his victim. And even more scary is the fact that real killer in the backseat tales exist. In March of 2017, a woman in Kansas City, Missouri was driving to a gas station when she noticed that a man wearing all black with a ski mask on was hiding in her back seat. Can't even imagine. And the man pressed a gun into the back of her head and told the woman to drive in the directions that he gave her. The woman noticed that the directions she was given were taking her out of the city limits and into a rural area. He then ordered her to stop in front of a gate next to a farm. The man then began to wrap a cord around this poor woman's neck and beat her with his other hand. She said at one point that the man yelled, die bitch die the assailant then got out of the car thinking that he had strangled the woman unconscious and proceeded to move around the driver's side door and that's when the woman mustered up the strength to put the car in drive and hit the gas narrowly escaping murder did they ever find this guy that's the scary part about this story i'm pretty sure they that they didn't ever find the guy well die bitch die to me kind of seems like he had some sort of thing about her or against her And maybe he knew her, especially if he was in a ski mask. Maybe he was just, I don't know, why would he just hide in some random woman's car and then just kill her and leave? I mean, why do serial killers literally kill people? Okay, that's very true. But wow, she really, I bet she is scared of driving now. Yeah, I remember reading, or when I was doing the research for this episode, I was reading the article and it said that she was really, really, really shaken up about this whole incident. I mean, what a traumatizing event. And then especially in such a normal situation like driving a car. So that just puts a lot of pressure on every time you're in the front seat of a car is you're just wondering if there's someone behind you again. Yeah, I think that that would be some like long lasting mental trauma. Totally. In May of 2018, Another real-life incident took place that was eerily similar to the urban legend. A woman in Nashville, Tennessee, had stopped at a Shell gas station around 9 p.m. and entered the store. While she was inside the convenience store, an unknown man entered the back seat of her car, which was unlocked. Always lock your cars. When the woman returned, she started her car and left the parking lot of the fuel station. She made it down the street before the man hiding in the back seat popped his head up and threatened her with a gun. The man told her that he would kill her if she didn't drive him in the direction that he requested. So kind of similar to the first incident that Heath just explained. The woman knew that if she followed his orders, the circumstances could be much worse or even deadly if he forced her to drive to a secluded area. With that in mind, the brave woman made the decision to pull a quick U-turn and head back towards the lights of the gas station. 
That's when the stranger opened the car door and jumped from the moving vehicle before fleeing on foot. So clearly these guys that are hiding in these back seats are very opportunistic. They see that this car is unlocked. They see that this woman seems vulnerable. And honestly, if she would have continued to drive in those directions, it's possible that he would have killed her or sexually assaulted her or something like that. And she, I think she knew that in her mind. So she was like, "Uh uh-uh, not today. Flips the car around, headed back towards where people were. And how brave of her to make a U-turn, because that's so risky. If he has a gun, he could have just shot her right then and there, which to me begs the question, why didn't he? So I wonder if he had a totally different motive that wasn't murder or wasn't only murder. Well, I think also the reason why he probably didn't is because he's also in the car. So if he just shoots her, There's a possibility that she crashes the car and and he fucking dies. That's a really good point, actually. So that just means that there's at least two killer in the back seats on the loose in modern times. Oh, oh, yeah. And we see this type of shit happens in real life. And those were just a few stories out of many, many more that have actually occurred. Sometimes the killer gets caught or is run off by the victim. But other times the victim isn't so lucky. I also want to talk about a story that I heard as a kid that always seems to be lumped in with the killer in the backseat legend. One that if you grew up in the 90s, you probably remember pretty well. And that story is the Flashing Headlights Gang Initiation. Who remembers that one? Oh, me. But I remember when I started driving, I remember back to times when my mom would flash her headlights at people who had theirs off. And so I was always like, what a nice thing to do. I'm going to do that. And then I heard this story and now I'm always hesitant. Yeah, definitely. The tale's origin is said to have began sometime in the early 1980s. A person living in Montana is said to have created the story stating that a Hell's Angels biker would ride with their headlight off at night and when passing drivers would flash their high beams at them, the gang member would then turn around, chase the car down, run them off the road, and kill the driver as part of a gang initiation. And by the time 1984 rolled around, the rumor had spread to my hometown of Eugene, Oregon, but like the game Telephone, the details changed to the gang members being persons of color from street gangs in Los Angeles. And I actually had to look this up on Snopes to try and authenticate these stories. Apparently, by 1993, emails and fax were being sent around the country to co-workers, family members, and friends, warning them not to courtesy flash anyone who was driving without their lights on. The forwarded emails explained that it was a part of a deadly gang initiation and to refrain from flashing your lights. These kind of warning emails and faxes circulated the internet for years without any real validity and were eventually deemed a hoax. Although one real incident did occur in 1992. A school secretary named Kelly Freed, who lived in Stockton, California, was shot and killed when the driver of the vehicle that she was in had flipped off a group of teen kids who forgot to turn on their headlights. The incident had nothing to do with gang initiation though, and it kind of seemed to be more of like a road rage incident. That's so sad and she was just an innocent person in the car of somebody else who flipped off teenagers and then these teenagers just got angry like that's ridiculous yeah and those those teenagers actually did go to jail or to prison for murder and i actually remember this gang initiation hoax spreading through my high school like wildfire 
And I think that goes to show us the power of an urban legend. If the story is scary enough, it can spread far and wide. The gang initiation tale eventually made its way down to Mexico and even crossed the pond, scaring trousers off of people in London. Even though we consider these stories fun and scary, we also have to remember that whenever we hear an urban legend, there will most likely always be a shred of truth within the story. And I think that's what makes them truly fascinating and terrifying at the same time. Yeah, I mean, the fact that these urban legends originated somewhere and somehow, I think that they're, you know, I've heard people say there's always some shred of truth in every story that's told. And especially in this story, Killer in the Backseat, where it has happened in real life. And it's something that a lot of us fear every time we're in the car alone. Right. And I'm sure that that exact scenario probably happened before the quote unquote origin of the legend. So before the 60s, I'm sure in the 1940s and 50s. When cars were invented. Yeah. I mean, as long as there's been cars, there's probably been incidents of creepy dudes hiding in the backseat of them. So, strangers, what did we learn today? We learned that you should always lock your car doors whenever you leave your vehicle, even if it's for a minute so you can go run inside the gas station and absolutely destroy the gas station bathroom. We learned also that some rumors are really nothing more than, well, just rumors most of the time. And we also learned that whenever you get into your car, especially at night, that you always, and I mean always, check the fucking back seat. Because you never know when some creep looking like Christopher Lloyd's villain character in Dennis the Menace is going to be hiding in your backseat, holding a butcher knife, and licking his dirty little perv chops, waiting to make you his next victim. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to this week's episode of The Dark Parts. We'll be back next week with another story to keep the fright alive. So, Daphne, do you want to read us this week's horror tip? Our horror tip this week comes from the movie Urban Legend, obviously. Yeah, who would have guessed? (laughs) Sasha says her mom always checks the back seat before getting into the car. So, you probably should too. That's some good advice, Sasha. So, strangers, we'll see you next time. In the dark parts. (laughs) 